Welcome back to another edition of our Spotify Greenroom Live Detroit Lions Q&A app. Every Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, we are live on the Spotify Greenroom app, answering your Detroit Lions questions. I am one of your hosts, Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit. Uh, I'm with two co-hosts as well. Let's start with Ryan Matthews, uh, senior editor at Pride of Detroit, at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm not sure if there will be as many birds as there was a week ago because we had a tree fall down in oh. one of these wonderful storms that we've had. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping that I can hoping that I can bring the birds. I guess that's my job. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, our other co-host for the Spotify Greenroom Q&A uh, podcast is our own Eric Schlitt, the managing editor of Pride Detroit, at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. Uh, I will miss those birds. Uh, they were very calming. So uh, hopefully they come back and uh, find a new home at Ryan's house. Hmm. Oh, so sweet of you, Eric. Hey, <laughs> you know what? We never ask Jeremy how he's doing. We don't. Okay. All right, let's move on. <laughs> uh, so it's training camp uh, month, everybody. The the Lions announced training camp dates for live uh, audiences that I believe start on the thirty first yep. um, for season uh, season ticket holders. Uh, but yeah, we're into July. It's exciting. We're getting there. So I don't know if that's where the conversations are going to be going with these questions because I mean we've had three three four weeks of absolute no Lions news. So I'm I'm curious as to what the questions are going to be this week. But uh, let me waste no further time and and get right into it we got robert on the line robert how you doing good how are you guys pretty good pretty good see they ask how i'm doing <laughs> i'm not gonna just move past it either i'm, I'm gonna say i'm happy i'm glad you're doing well appreciate that um yeah actually happy fourth of july weekend to all you guys um, Thank you, you, too. Hope you get a chance to have some fun um so my question is actually not train camp related uh it is about how dan campbell is more so as a as a head coach. Um, so just kind of like reading some stuff, listening to stuff. Sounds like a lot of people. I mean, if we don't really know what his X's and O's uh, acumen is, but people do seem to kind of be like writing him off in that aspect. Um, I've even heard some people like refer to him as a gap coach because of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, like, is there? We haven't seen anything from him as far as, like, him coordinate any offense or defense. But maybe going back to, like, his time in Miami, do we have any real indication of what his X's and all are, or are we just assuming it's not there um, just because we haven't seen him do that, have those roles? Uh, th- yeah, that's a really good question, Robert, because I, I, I think I'm probably guilty of that, too, just kind of assuming he's not an X's and O's kind of guy without without a ton of evidence to suggest one way or the other. I mean, obviously, I think part of the appeal of, of a Dan Campbell is just simply his leadership style and his, uh, you know, honesty and, and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, l- let me let me throw it to the other guys. What, are, are you guys kind of? Assuming all the X's and O's stuff is, is going to be given to the coordinators, or, or how much of a hand will, will Dan Campbell have in like the game planning? Yeah, I, I think he'll have a he'll have a hand in the game planning for certain. But um, 
I do agree that there's probably going to be more freedom with the coordinators to come up with a lot of the X's and O's uh, just based on his management style. And, and what we've seen out of him is he's kind of let his coordinators coordinate. You know what I mean? He hasn't tried yeah. to micromanage them. And so uh, just speculating, I, I would I would assume that that carries over into uh, other aspects uh, of the coaching. Now, I think he gets labeled this you know, like is not a X's and O guys because look, he's a former player. He has no coordinator experience. And when he was in Miami, he was very old school. You know, so he wanted to run the ball and establish a, you know, a, a you know, a, a possession type ball game. Now, the thing is, is if you, just only base your assessment of him on that Miami time, you're going to have, I think, a, a narrow scope because there's not a coach in the league that's more creative with X's and O's than Sean Payton. And that's where he has spent, you know, the last half decade learning and like watching and being in, the, in these team meetings. Like as an assistant head coach, he's been in all of the meetings for the X's and O's and the game plans. And so like there's, he's been preparing for this. And while we haven't seen it, and I, you know, I think he's being written off in a lot of ways uh, because there's so many unknowns, but he's, uh, I think we're, we're selling him short based on the fact that, you know, his time with Sean Payton could show up and we might not even like really recognize it. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, he's got, he's made great coaching hires from what we can tell. Um, and all this stuff, there's a lot of reason, there's a lot of things he's done that have shown that have got me to buy in and feel confident. And it seems like everybody respects him enough to come work for him, to hire him, to promote him in multiple different ways. So it's it just seems like in in those cases he's got to have some idea of how he wants the team to kind of operate from from some aspect of offense or defense. Can I I, I want to jump in real fast because um, yeah. before Ryan uh, uh, takes his turn, I I, I, I'm, um, I wanted to address the whole gap coach thing. You don't give a six-year contract to a gap coach. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like I was, yeah. that's that's I, I I mean I don't think he's a gap coach. He's yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I, I think I think just to go to Eric's point, um, I think his time in New Orleans is going to be pretty telling um, because I, I think he worked under a guy like Sean Payton, who obviously was a, a really good delegator, but at the same time is the play caller in New Orleans. And I think if anything, I think what Dan Campbell's takeaway from New Orleans is going to be, um, how do you put the the people around you in the best position to succeed? And he went out and got a, a guy like Anthony Lynn who has, you know, experience being a head coach, calling offensive plays and things like that. So um, I, I personally think that, you know, while Dan Campbell is kind of – I, I don't I, I don't I don't mean this term so I wish there was a better way that I could put it but like he he's more than a figurehead um, I, I think that he's an incredibly important ingredient to what the Lions are trying to do in terms of what they're trying to establish their identity as being but I, I really think that what's going to be so critical and so important is how well Dan Campbell is managing these people that are around him and um, I, I think that's where you're going to see why Dan Campbell came in here and why he's the Lions head coach. Do you, do you think it's fair to call Dan Campbell a culture coach? Like that's, that's kind of his main job right now is to, to help establish and promote the, the kind of culture this team's looking for. I think that's fair. I think that's definitely, 
I, I think that's probably one aspect of, and I think that's a huge aspect of what he came in here to do. I think, I think if you ask somebody like Chris Spielman that question, I think that that would be like surefire, like that. Yeah, that's why that's why we got our guy. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, they were preaching that um, during the coaching hire. We're looking yeah. for someone who can change our culture. So, yeah, I do agree. He's that's a hundred percent a culture hire. And, and I think that's what a lot of people picked out as being the overcorrection, right? Like everybody was like, okay, we went and got Dan Campbell, who is you know the the antithesis of who Matt Patricia is, and in terms of establishing a culture so completely different than what Matt Patricia was, I think that's where people got the overcorrection narrative from. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He's not he's not here to wipe butts, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob, appreciate the question. Uh, that's that's Thanks, one guys. that I think we're, we're going to continue to kind of monitor to see uh, what he brings in terms of the X's and O's. Uh, let's bring in our next speaker. We got Michael on the line. Michael, how are you doing? Doing great. How about yourself? Great, great. Happy Fourth of July weekend to you. You too. And enough of this boomer stuff. My first Lions game was <laughs> outdoors at Tiger Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> don't hurt on me is shorter than the list of things that do hurt on me. <laughs> yeah, we, we all have, I, I mean, yeah, we have that to look forward to. I can't, can't wait. <laughs> so that said, tell me why I'm wrong. Is it, I think we're done in the, in the free agent market. I don't see us doing anything except maybe bargain basement, bottom 10 add-ons, a cut down day. Um, it only makes sense in the long-term rebuild to roll this money over into next year or maybe extend one of our one-year wonders if they play good this year in the middle of the year? Um, Yeah, I I would say I wouldn't expect any sort of big moves before training camp. Obviously, they still have one uh, one, uh, spot on the roster available. The the other thing to to really take notice of, though, is right after training camp, once the cuts happen, because everyone kind of grabs a guy after that, and you have to imagine the Lions are going to be at least a little bit active during that time. Remember, that's when they got Romeo Aquara, if I'm not uh, mistaken, um, during that kind of time of year. So, you know, I, I think there is some roster tinkering that's still going to be happening, but I would agree with you that there, I don't think there's a big move likely to, to come unless you think, you know, Todd Gurley, which I think still has a, a good potential to happen. Um, if you think that's maybe a splash move, I think that's that's as splashy as they're going to get. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think they're hoping Todd Gurley is a splash move. Uh, myself, I'm hoping a safety could be added because there's a couple out there that yeah. could challenge to start. Um, and it's the biggest need. You know, I feel like we talk about this every week, right? Yeah. Um, Trey Boston, uh, Malik Hooker, either of these guys would be, I, in my opinion, would be a, a quality add because that would you can add a safety – with some of the talent out there, that's going to make your 53-man roster and, and maybe challenge to But, Eric, if that if that's true, why wouldn't they have moved on those two already if those, were in, if those type of guys were in their plans? Well, sometimes uh, veterans like Trey Boston, they don't want to sign until training camp because they don't want to be tied to a team. They want to be kind of like a uh, – a free, you know, like I, I, like a free agent, essentially. They want to be uh, available to assess where teams are. They want to find where the best spot is. Uh, it's 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 not very common that that players have this approach, but Boston's one of those guys where he wants to get the lay of the land, and then he wants to try and make the best deal possible for him with the best team. And sometimes that comes back to bite him, and sometimes that earns him really nice contracts. Uh, it's it's gone both ways over his career, but he's a guy who typically. Likes to to wait. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to spin this question off to one that, that we also got um, on, on a written site um, from Miles. He asked, do you feel the presence of Aaron Glenn is enough to help our young cornerbacks grow and develop this season, or would we better serve bringing in a guy like Richard Sherman to help mentor? Understandably, the season about letting the young guys play and develop, but you can almost sense the, the, the pressure of any of our – you can sense the pressure on our young group of corners. So, I mean, Richard Sherman's probably like a, a – I mean, there, there wouldn't. I don't think there'd be a lot of, uh, you know, reason for him to want to be here. But w- what about the idea of adding a, a veteran corner to to help kind of this this young group of corners? You know, I, I, I wanted to say that um, you know, adding somebody like Quentin Dunbar or adding somebody like Corn Elder was was a you know getting a quote unquote veteran. But I mean, those guys are pretty young in their own right, right? So yeah, um, you know, somebody like Sherman. I think probably wants to, as you know, Eric just pointed out, probably take the trade Boston route and see like where he can go win immediately. And also he's going to be somebody that's going to fetch a pretty, um, a pretty fair price eventually. I think once he signs. Um, so I don't know. I, I think with Aaron Glenn, I think with the, the young guys that are already in there, I, I don't see the cornerback room getting shaken up all that all that much. Uh, you know, a, a safety makes a lot of sense, as, as Eric points out. But, um, you know, anybody like even like a Melvin Ingram or, you know, a, a bigger name like that, I, I, I just don't think makes a whole lot of sense. Going back to Michael's point, I mean, just let that cap money roll over. Um, you know, if, if Tyrell Williams knocks your socks off, maybe you want to put yourself in a position where you have some extra, have some, you know, extra cash sitting around so you could sign him to, you know, a, a more long-term deal or, or something along those lines. I think one of the advantages of having uh, player co- uh, coaches that were former players not very long ago eliminates the need to have to bring in a veteran for the young guys. Like Aaron Glenn is the veteran. You know what I mean? Like he, <laughs> yeah. he is, he would, this, you couldn't ask for a, a better veteran, uh, you know, person guiding them. So, yeah, um, it's a great point. And, and you can, you can carry that over to some other positions as well, but you know, and then not every position has a, has a former player as a coach. So maybe those spots are where you bring veterans and like Todd Walsh isn't a former player. Right. And, and, but you have Michael Brockers there. So, um, I, I'm, I'm not overly worried about the uh, the veteran uh, at, at corner. I, I'm I think having Glenn and then a bunch of young guys is, is probably the long term vision. All right, appreciate the question, Michael. Uh, One last thing, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, go for it. Quick thing about the uh, Rams Lions Stafford rematch game. Yeah, uh, tickets are off the hook, expensive right now. They're going for double what they normally would go for. I recommend waiting for the Rams to lose a game or two because the Ram fans will start falling away after that first loss and ticket prices will go down. I think that's probably fair. And and sorry sorry to my L.A. viewers for what I'm about to say, but those are a bunch of Fairweather fans with all the sports. Maybe, maybe not the Lakers, but even even a little bit of Lakers. Uh, they, they got other things that they like to do over there in L.A. So sports kind of takes a second fiddle. I'm just sour because I was there when the, the L.A. Kings won the Stanley Cup and no one was watching hockey, and I was mad about it. Anyways, tangent aside, let's move to our <laughs> next uh, our next caller. Thank you again, Michael, for, for the call there. Let's move to Zach. Zach, are you there? Can you hear me? Yep. Cool. Uh, yeah, hope all of y'all are doing well. <laughs> but, <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I want to preface this by saying that 
you know, most people might not be interested in this question, and it's probably something you all can't answer. Actually, I know you can't answer. Um, but here's a stat that, or a fact that you all may not know, is that the Detroit Lions are the only team in the NFL who have never drafted a player from the University of Louisville. Uh, so, you know, my question is, when is that going to happen? <laughs> Obviously, you can't answer that. Uh, so my dad is from Detroit. Still have a lot of family up there. They moved down to Louisville uh, in the 60s. Um, so it's like, you know, U L's my college team. Detroit teams are my pro teams. Um, so, you know, it's like we've had a few good players come out of UofL. Uh, there was one in the division that I wish played for the Lions, Jair <laughs> Alexander. Uh, yeah. So, you know, just maybe if you talk to Coach Campbell, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep an eye on U of L. You know, Lamar yeah. Jackson's also pretty good. Um, right? Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's interesting. I mean, uh, you'd have to, I guess, look maybe to the area scouts and, and kind of maybe ask them a question yeah. as to because you know the scout uh, in, in a lot of teams, the scouts are the one that remain kind of constant through yeah. regime after regime. So it'd be kind of interesting to to figure out who was the area scout that's in charge of yeah. that kind of area and, and if it's just kind of a coincidence that they haven't drafted any Louisville guys oh, or yeah yeah or if, yeah. If, yeah you know it's just so, maybe that hasn't been their just, guy just, just to throw you a curveball you know, <laughs> yeah. not, not a very Detroit related uh subject but, that is an interesting yeah. fact though well maybe maybe CJ Avery will catch your attention this year he's pretty good he's a little yeah. undersized yeah, under, uh, but, but if they but that's a that's a position that they don't have right they they, right. they don't have a you know, the, 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 he's a what former safety plays linebacker essentially. He's like, he's like, yeah, plays he's that like star, a, yeah, yeah. The star position, yeah. And, yeah, and so, yeah, so oh, look, you, if he can run and he can cover, then it, he'll play, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, that's also something I think the Lions need. Exactly. Uh, yep. So, so there yeah. you go. Keep keep an eye on Avery. Yeah. All right. That's all I had. <laughs> all right. Thanks for the questions, Zach, and and right. for dropping some facts. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. We're going to head to our first break. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your Lions questions here on the Spotify Green Room app. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
And we are back on the locker of not the locker room app, the Spotify green room app. Uh, answering your Detroit Lions questions. We do this every Saturday morning, 1030 a.m. Let's just jump right back into it. Dan, our good friend Dan is on the line. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Uh, can, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, I think I've got my external speaker messing me up over here. But I wanted to ask you guys, uh, I was chatting with a, a mate yesterday. Uh, he's a Broncos fan. You're watching the Belgium Italy game and talking about all those scenarios with uh, Aaron Rodgers and uh, yesterday of course the opt out deadline came uh, gone by you know so I was curious like when we were talking about the scenarios and it was different for Tom Brady and stuff like that and I apologize it's not a full on lines question uh, I, my, my question sort of in, in the lines realm is the fact that people are calling us uh, getting anywhere between two and nine wins obviously that, that must be Dan Campbell related but I just wanted to ask you this application is it possible, like, how could anyone get Aaron Rodgers without gutting their team and destroying the chances to do anything with it? Uh, and thanks very much. We'll be playing later today. Yeah, I mean... The, the, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, especially with the deadline that passed on Friday, I think that was something that was never really going to happen. Um, it seemed like... It, for one thing, it, it removes all leverage from Aaron Rodgers. That, that's him basically saying, all right, I guess I'm not getting traded. I'm... I'm He's throwing in the towel, in in essence. And I know he would get all those bonuses and wouldn't lose a whole bunch of money, but I don't think that matters to him as much as either playing or getting traded or, or whatever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I guess the the specifics of how a trade would work or, or how much a team would have to give up to, to pay him, I mean, you mentioned the Broncos. I feel like that's the team that everyone is circling, and I, th- I believe they have the, the cap space. Um, and then, obviously, we don't know what sort of compensation it would take. But, um, Eric, do you have an idea of, of what you think a, a trade would look like or, or how it could, you know, theoretically work this late in the offseason? The, the Broncos have about $29 million in cap space. So uh, they they have plenty of that, right? Um, the Yeah, the trick, though, is how much do you give up in, or, in order to acquire him? And so I don't know. It, it, you would think like the Stafford deal is the floor, right? And then um, how much more are you, you know, have you, how much leverage have the Packers lost in trying to deal him uh, because he's so insistent on, on wanting to be out? So, um, I, you know, I think you start at the pack, you start at the Stafford deal and then you just kind of add more, you know, <laughs> because he's, he's, uh, he's, he, he's a better player, but he is also older. So you got, there's some factors, you know, that are going to go into, uh, into like how many of those, uh, first round picks, you know, you need to add on. Ryan, I heard the birds. You, you clearly got something to say. Yeah, they're chirping. Um, so I, I, I think. <laughs> Well, what's interesting about an Aaron Rodgers deal is like <clears throat> with the Denver Broncos and the kind of young offensive talent they have there with Jerry Judy and Noah Font and um, and whatnot. It, it seems like every deal that I see that's mocked up involves Drew Locke somehow, and I don't know why on you know God's green earth the Green Bay Packers would want anything to do with Drew Locke. Um, so, but but I do think it's interesting about whether or not you include proven talent in a deal for Aaron Rodgers and whether or not the Packers value getting players in return or getting picks in return. Now, obviously the con- the conventional wisdom is just, you know, accumulate as many draft picks as you can, but I mean, what, what's stopping them from trying to ask for like Bradley Chubb 
um, or, you know, what's stopping them from, from trying to ask for a King's ransom and, and getting everything they want. So I think, I think that's what's kind of an interesting subplot to any Aaron Rodgers trade is not only the draft compensation, which everybody thinks is going to be, you know, off the walls. And as Dan points out, you know, how do you how do you make a trade for Aaron Rodgers without crippling the the future outlook of your franchise? Well, I think the way that you do that is you offer up some talent that you already have on the roster in exchange for Rodgers. So I I don't know I. Would would you be willing to part with a guy like Bradley Chubb? Would you be willing to part with maybe one of those offensive weapons? Um, I don't know. It, it's tough too because you have to you have to assume Green Bay would still feel like they're in a position where they could contend for the division. Oh, sure. And so right, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe they want to be in that position where they do get someone that can contribute right away. Get get a player that a player over a draft pick. It, 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 I mean, they'd have to have draft picks too because that. Oh I yeah, for sure. I don't think there's there's an, enough. Uh, in terms of you know roster talent that that Denver could really offer realistically to to offset that, but can, can I just ask the question that we asked on the site uh, on Friday, which is what do you think is going to happen? Is he going to play for the Packers this year? Because I was surprised to see that sixty three percent of Lions fans still think he's going to play for the Packers this year. Well, that was the interesting. I, thing. I still think Sorry. it. No, go ahead, Dan. Well, I was just going to say, I, I was starting to read and stuff that it, it feels more likely that he, I, I don't know if it's like hair, you know, like tail between his legs or anything like that, but it just seems, everyone seems to sort of be getting to this conclusion that he's going to play. And I, I just don't know. I mean, he's not, it's not Deshaun Watson. It's not, it's not Tom Brady who's, who's left and a free agent. Do you know what I mean? It just, it, it's a really tough situation. And, and we talk about ourselves with the mistakes we've made and everything else, but you know, they, they're, they're, they're holding, they're holding their own beer with uh, Brett Favre now this guy. Do you know what I mean? And they're really, <laughs> Yeah. I just had a terrifying thought. What if uh, Green Bay and Houston just swapped quarterbacks? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you even put that out there? Okay, Dan said to Sean Watson, and it got me thinking. And oh man. Sorry, sorry. Can I do one last thing and then I'll, I'll sign off? Sorry. I, I, like, yeah, it's it is crazy with with Dan Campbell because literally the Lions have been forecast to get anywhere between two and nine wins, and it just sits nuts. It's, it's and, and I always, and what gets me crazy with the people who like to to do the uh, go worst and to get the best quarterback is, I feel no matter what we did, I think the t- the Texans are going to suck the worst. I don't. I th- they're going to get QB one, <laughs> so we'd be happy have to be happy with QB two. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's. Uh, but yeah. Um, uh, Dan, I think I think that's what's exciting about this this season, this draft season, is that like there is no QB one right now, and I mean it see it, it almost seems as if you know if you get QB three or you get QB four or you get QB two or you get QB one, I mean they all have like a similar chance of succeeding at this point. I mean obviously we have a whole college season to still go through, and um, you know Malik Willis will eventually become the uh, the most prized <laughs> possession of. of, see, of I, 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 was, I had to come around to say no that. i mean i was shocked when you said there wasn't a clear number one <laughs> <laughs> no time will tell just I got, I got that game circled liberty versus Ole miss all right um for for you know malik to finally have a chance to put all these to rest but let me let me tell you something about why a deshaun watson for aaron Rodgers trade would never happen because aaron Rodgers would retire on the spot <laughs> Like th- that's a there, good point. There, there would be nothing more, I think, infuriating to Aaron Rodgers than getting traded to the Houston Texans. <laughs> okay, that's a very good point. Point, but, 
This might be my last day in the European tournament, so I'm going to be cheeky and go for a third, and that's my son singing in the background, so sorry about that. <laughs> um, but I'm just like, like with, with head coaches and their coordinators, within the, the, the and I, I'm, I'm sneaking, uh, uh, tagging that other question you had earlier on, because I'm really curious about this, because it seems to me that you let your coordinators coordinate. And, you know, I mean, I just want to see when Dan Campbell's going to throw the red flag sort of thing, you know what I mean? Or, you know, like go for two or stuff like that. But it, it seems like, like, if they if he steps on their toes like it feels like previous head coaches did you know like Patricia and stuff like that then that wasn't the right move uh, but I, I was curious what you thought about the best way to interact for those guys and I'll say adios and thanks yeah I mean on paper I think this approach makes the most sense there, there's no question about it like like you said let the coordinators coordinate that's literally their job is to develop a scheme and implement it and you know make sure everyone's doing their jobs and all sort of the, all sorts of things like that I think some of us, including myself, sometimes get infatuated with, you know, the the brilliant scheme head coach guys. But when you do that, you have kind of this weird power dynamic where you're you're basically hiring coordinators as figureheads. Like like we saw with, you know, all the defensive coordinators that went through uh, during the Matt Patricia era. Like those guys weren't doing – they weren't coordinating. They, they were essentially just, you know, running the ship that, that Matt Patricia wanted. And so – I, I think on paper this this all makes sense, and of course everything's hunky dory right now. There, there's no conflict because nothing bad has happened. When things start start going wrong, and and you know maybe the offense throws out of the gate, maybe the defense struggles out of the gate, then I think the question becomes how much does does Dan Campbell meddle at that point? And and he, I mean he's a head coach, he's allowed to, um, but. Yeah, I, I think the challenge then just becomes making sure you're not too hands-on. And, and I don't know. I don't know what we'll get out of Dan Campbell at, at that point because I think we can all agree that at some point things are, aren't going to be going so great this offseason or this regular season. Um, and, and yeah, how, how this whole, you know, everyone pushing in the same direction thing works out um, is really going to be tested. Anyone else have a, a thought on, on the power dynamic right now? I, here's the thing that has me really – another part of this season that has me so interested and excited as a Lions fan is that we won't be stuck with Matt Patricia press conferences after games where it's just, just got to coach better. Just got to be better. (laughs) Like, I I think that there's going to be real accountability. Like, Obviously, I don't think Dan Campbell is the kind of person who's ever going to throw anybody under the bus. Um, I, I truly think Dan Campbell is going to be the kind of guy who puts a lot of this on his own plate because he is the guy who put those people in those positions. Like, So I think that there's going to be some real accountability like beyond like we have to coach better and we have to be better. Like, I think it's going to be like Dan putting a lot of that on his own shoulders. Um, and I think that's something that his coordinators are going to appreciate about him. Um, and I think it's going to be more than just lip service. Like, I think that Dan Campbell's really going to, I think he's going to take a, I I don't know. I, I, I hope he takes it well and I hope he takes it in stride, but I truly think that he's going to be the kind of guy that is, uh, is going to be, you know, accountable and he's going to be the guy who holds himself to the highest standard. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right, let's jump to another uh, request to join here. We got Mathis on the line. Uh, Mathis, how we doing, buddy? Hey. Hello. Oh, hey, how you doing? Doing all right. How are you guys? Good, man. Good to hear you. Good to hear you, too. Um, so I guess uh, during this, this, this dead period, for training, for training camp, I guess just uh, – Give, giving some tips for um, for people who might who might not have never been there. Um, what would you suggest on how to watch um, training camp? What to be on the lookout for? 
um, and how and how not to, and maybe not take too much away or from watching training camp. What do you what do you guys think? I, I love that question. Training camp tips because there there is kind of an art to it. I would say, and and Eric, I, I think I'd say this every time, like our first or second time we're there. I'm just like crap I'm, I'm i'm way overstimulated i'm missing out on a ton of things i forgot how to do this it usually takes me like a a a, a practice or two to really kind of get into form of of watching training camp but do you have some tips for for people out there yeah the my my uh you know the thing that's helped me the most is that i find people that uh i want to be next to and then i park myself next to them <laughs> and um, honestly because the conversation helps the experience right mm-hmm. now it, it, i say that you know when I, when we're in the press box me and you sit next to each other right but when before we were in the uh, press area um I used to sit at a certain point in the stance and, and even the, all the writers would kind of naturally gravitate towards one another. Mathis would be right. with us all the time. Mathis used to help me years ago with um, doing the uh, attendance, right? Yeah. yeah he, uh, like Mathis is, is a great person to go and, and search out. That's the one first thing I do. I'd find Mathis and sit next to him. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, like I've, I've sat next to writers. I've sat next to uh, non-writers, fans um but like if you park yourself next to somebody that you can like chat with and you can talk about what you're seeing it it helps broaden your experience and it helps you um you know it helps you really get a different perspective on things or or you know maybe you'll be watching one area and someone else will be watching another and they'll be like hey you need to really watch this part of the field because there's some cool stuff happening and like it it's it's a lot better than just sitting out there, you know, by yourself in, in in the quiet. Like find somebody that, or or multiple people, and just sit next to them and have some conversations because that's that's one of the that's one of the great things about camp. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too because a lot of times you'll just you'll you want to make a note or a mental note or you know if you're tweeting or whatever, like you'll think this one guy caught it, but you always want to bounce it off of someone else because they may have seen a different number. And we all know the lines numbers are hard to read and things like that. And, you know, you even see it sometimes with beat writers, like you'll, you'll see four different people talk about the same play and, you know, four different players made that play according to them. And, and it's because it, it's hard to catch things live. And if you have that extra kind of buffer to, to you know, did you just see what I saw? Um, mm-hmm. Definitely helps, um, especially from from a writer perspective, but I imagine also from a fan perspective. Yeah, with the, with us, like we're spread out. And, um, you know, there's, there's times when Justin Rogers has a different angle than we do mm-hmm. and we'll be yelling from 20 yards away from each other. Like, who do you have for that? And like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun dynamic to be able to experience it with other people. Yeah. And then my, my other advice would, would simply just be like, come in kind of with an idea of what you're looking for. Um, whether you want to focus on the offense, on the defense, maybe a specific position, because you're just, you're not going to catch everything you're, you're going to want to. And I think the inclination is like, I'm going to see every play. I'm going to watch every player. I'm going to have, you know, standouts and things like that. It's just not possible. You you can try to see as much as you want, but at some point you're going to have to sacrifice either one half of the field or, you know, one side of the football. And uh, don't, don't get frustrated over that because everyone's doing that. It it might seem like when you read camp observations that everyone saw everything, but that's just not how it works. And, and maybe part of it is, is, you know, saddling up to someone and be like, hey, you watch that side of the field. I'm going to watch this side of the field. Tell me if anything interesting happens. 
pack sunscreen. <laughs> yes. And, and water if you can. I don't, I don't know if you, are they allowing you to bring in water? I don't know. I don't think they did last year. Yeah, I think you're right. Or the year Lord prior, no. I mean. Yeah. But I do, uh, I definitely do hydrate. Want, I do want to remind people, uh, it, you obviously bring the sunscreen, but also bring some cash money on you, um, uh, or some, um, bring something with you. So, because they do, um, they do have food there. They'll have like, um, big boys, um, giving you burgers. Um, you have to pay for them, but like they'll, they are there. Yeah. So, do, so there is food there. So don't, so don't worry about coming hungry or anything like that. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing about it this year is that it's, it's morning practices. They're all what? 8 a.m. Is that right? Yeah. 8 30. Like 8:30. So, uh, breakfast burritos. I think they had those last year, and if you're into breakfast burritos, probably going to have them again this year. <laughs> this this is the kind of coverage you're not getting. Who is who's talking about breakfast burritos at Lion Training Camp right now? Exactly, we are, we are, <laughs> nobody else, and that's why we are the most rated Lions podcast out there. Sorry, Eric. Uh, all right, <laughs> we're going to take our second break here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to finish up with more Lions questions as we head towards training camp. Stick with us here on the Green- Spotify Green Room app. We're back here wrapping things up on our live Lions Q&A session here on the locker room, uh, the Spotify green room app. One of these days I'm going to get it right in the first try. Uh, Saturday mornings, 1030 a.m. if you ever want to join us live. Let's just jump right back into the phone line. We've got uh, Jeremy on the line. Jeremy, how you doing, buddy? Mic check, mic check. There we me? go. Loud and clear, man. All how you right. doing? Oh, doing excellent. Um, you know, uh, I just wanted to say uh, – before I ask my question, been thinking a lot about advances in technology. And as somebody that grew up in the Air Force, not around Michigan, I used to get my news from a little paragraph in the paper. And now I can spend Saturday mornings talking to people about lions. It's a long way I've come in my, my lions fandom. <laughs> so I appreciate everything that the POD has done to, I mean, putting out videos even my favorite player herman moore has a video now and mad props to you for being a guest on there by the way jeremy oh thanks man we're Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to bring him back on our podcast as well too so look out for that so so thank you guys for everything uh so uh my question today is what happened at that tight end university and what in the world did uh (laughs) tj do to get that heavyweight champ belt I, I wish I had an answer for that. I don't really have an answer, and that's why we didn't. I didn't write up, end up writing a story because I wasn't about to write a story on a, a belt that I don't really understand. But um, it seems like the tight end university thing is is kind of becoming a big deal. Like it was a, uh, they had what it looked like thirty forty guys out there, and um, yeah, I look, I included it in my notes uh, that right. day, and and I so I did a little bit of like research into it, and essentially it's like yeah, like thirty or forty tight ends from across the league uh, and a couple former uh, NFL tight ends are, have gathered together, headed up by uh, Kittle and uh, Kelsey, Kelsey and then uh, um, Greg Olson. And these guys are – it's a player-run uh, 
like uh, I, I don't want to say seminar because, but there's like a, there's a teaching element. There's a uh, this is what we do in this situation. This is how to round your skill set out, and then there's an on-field training element that goes into it as well. It's a multi-day event where they all practice together at this one field, and they essentially are trying to learn from each other uh, as opposed to just always learning from their specific coaching staff. Uh, from there, it's the the belt thing was just a who was the star of the camp, like who did the best or who stood out the most at different points. And, you know, maybe having Kittle as one of the uh, three head honchos gave Hawkinson a bit of an advantage, <laughs> but, um, you know, he was in the, he was in their uh, social media a lot. And, and it seemed like Hawkinson is, you know, he's been doing a lot of like hard work. There was a, there was a weightlifting program that was part of it as well. There was, there's a lot of neat kind of cool things that are going on, uh, going into that tight end university. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like a, I think it was a three day camp essentially. And it was just a way of them trying to enhance their skills, uh, all player run and, uh, just something they all did on their own. It was pretty cool. It, I think it's interesting because it's kind of a, this is something that's really kind of been happening the last p- few off seasons with other positions. Like we saw Darius Slay training with Richard Sherman, uh, apparently much to the dismay of, of uh, Matt Patricia. But um, <laughs> this, this is a more, I guess, formal version where like, you know, they're getting sponsorships and, and, you know, hyping themselves up on social media and, just like a, a more, I guess, just a more organizing, and I'm, I'm curious just to see whether other skill positions will kind of follow um, in that. Like they they have been doing similar things, just not kind of been making a big deal about it. I guess. No, no. Well, I, I think I think any any opportunity you have to get a championship belt involved in something, then you have to you have to capitalize on that. So. That's just that's a, my two cents. So. That's yeah, that's a good point. I'll I'll you know I'll allow it. it we're bordering on on, on on wrestling talk, but uh, I'd expect you you said the word I didn't. <laughs> all right, fine. Uh, all right, let's go back to the lines here. We got Bo. Bo, are you there? Bo, with the big Lebowski avatar. How you doing, man? Are you there? Man, th- th- I think this app is just going through it today. Yeah, it's starting to act a little funky. Um, you know what, though? Last week we had a Ryan Hello. and Eric. This week we got the Jeremy. Hey, and now there's Bill. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. All good, man. Everyone's, I think, uh, dealing with oh. something right now. Oh, yes, this new app is a pain in the ass, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, thanks for hosting the show as always, guys. Uh, just a quick question. Uh, the reinstatement of Josh Gordon uh, – any of you guys have any thoughts on what his uh, uh, projected want through the NFL is going to be? Is he going to be a guy that's going to get like a veteran minimum? And what do you think the Lions' thoughts on him would be? He's one of those guys looking to uh, have a comeback. Got a chip on his shoulder, I'm sure. Yeah, he's he's definitely got the chip on their shoulder. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's just applied for reinstatement. He's not quote he's not reinstated yet. So um, at, at some point, they're they're going to have to decide whether he he will be reinstated or not. And how many times has he been kicked out at this point? Like, <laughs> I, it, it feels like a lot. Um, and so I don't know if he he gets that uh, reinstatement. Um, you know. I'm I'm rooting for the guy just in in the case of, of you know beating what clearly is an, an addiction for him, but um, 
I don't. I mean, I think you're right. He's he's definitely going to kind of have that chip on the shoulder, like no one's believing in me, everyone's doubting me, type of thing. Uh, I guess the question is whether the Lions want to, you know, potentially risk bringing in a guy who who has been kicked out of the league as many times. And you, you think maybe given that you know they're they're trying to build a clean culture here, it might not be quite a fit. But this is kind. Of, I mean, this isn't necessarily. A character issue, I would say. Maybe, maybe it's more of a mental health issue, and there's there's a fine di- fine line between those two, I think. But um, curious to, to see what the other panelists here think. So let's let's go to Ryan first. Yeah, I think that Josh Gordon probably should reach out to Calvin Johnson and work with him instead of being an NFL receiver at this point. Like, I, I mean, like in, in all seriousness, I was just though, thinking about that <laughs> when, when it when it comes to Josh Gordon's NFL career, talent was never the issue. It, it, it was really just an, an inability to to keep up with the NFL's you know drug policy, which um, is so you know just another ball of wax to uh, to deal with. But um, you know, as, as we as we talk about all these other federations and, and different uh, organizations and their own drug policies, um, but all that stuff was standing aside. Like it, it, it truly seems. In, the, the weirdest thing about Josh Gordon is I don't is that guy ever going to turn thirty? Like it seems like it's, I don't know if he he might be thirty now, but like it seemed like every time he was getting reinstated, it was like, oh yeah, he's only like twenty six. It's like okay, that guy has plenty of time to like, you know, get things turned around. And like I said, it, it's never. I don't think it's ever been about talent with Josh Gordon. It's just been an inability to, um, you know, have a you know lead a lifestyle that is you know uh, consistent with uh, the NFL's drug policy, which. Is unfortunate, but uh, the man no, just it, wants it, to smoke a little weed. Come on now. In, in all in all seriousness, go work with Calvin Johnson. Just go work with Calvin Johnson. He, by the way, he he did turn thirty this year. It finally happened. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, I, you know I should know that because now I know that Josh Gordon and I are the same age. So no, he's officially washed. Once you turn thirty, everything's downhill from there. <laughs> Any Josh Gordon thoughts, Eric? No, I, I, I look. I, we we were joking earlier about when you get when you're in your thirties, you get old, and 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 that's it. Is, unfortunately, it's true. In the it NFL. is, yeah. And, and and the thing with um with Josh is that you know we all remember him as the guy who led the league in uh, receptions or reception yards, right? Uh, that was. 2013 like it's been a while since he's been back like uh since he's been that josh gordon you know even the following year he only had 24 catches and he was suspended for two seasons then he had 18 and he got suspended again and then he you know he's only had he had 41 in 2018 27 in 2019 didn't have any i was i was out again last year like he's not the Josh Gordon that he was, you know, and so uh, I, I agree he's a he's a talented person, but this much time away, it, it has to affect your performance on the field as well. So, like, yeah, you know, I'm with Jeremy. I'm rooting for him, but I, you know, this is this is not Josh Gordon of eight years ago that that you'd be getting if you signed him. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for your question, Bo. Appreciate you. Um, let's round out. We got three more here. Sean is next. Hey, guys. What's going on? First of all, thank you guys for having me, and thank you so much for all that you guys do. Um, you're all, like, phenomenal writers, and, I mean, you know, you, you guys are great. And I know Chris isn't on the show, but um, 
he he did a video a few months ago um, about why he didn't want uh, a certain player on the team, and he just revealed some personal stuff. And uh, just going through some personal stuff myself, man, he had me in tears, man. And just to see, you know, another man um, be so transparent, it was it was pretty awesome. I love you guys, so thank you for what you do. Um, thank you, Sean. Um, with uh, that being said, Aaron Glenn's going to be gone. So, <laughs> what do you guys think about Aubrey Pleasant as the next? DC, do you do you see him with that type of potential? Because in a year or two, Aaron Glenn's going to be a head coach. So I'm thinking Aubrey Pleasant is probably next in line. Just wanted to get you guys thoughts on that. I love it. We're we're jumping we're jumping two three years into the future here, where uh, where something good happens with the Lions uh, in in kind of a roundabout way. One of their coaches gets a head coaching job. Uh, I'll go to you, Eric. I I, I think I am in agreement here that that I, I like the idea of of hiring internally right there in the secondary. But um, is there is there maybe anyone else you think might also be in the mix there for DC? Uh, I, I, I think you you could include Todd Wash as a potential because he's been a former defensive coordinator in the past. Sure. Uh, but I do think Pleasant is a guy who's the up and comer that you need to watch. Um, I, I would I, I can't you know it, if we're talking two years down the line, it's it's hard to say you know which one you'd prefer. But I do think both of those candidates would be uh, intriguing, and I, I'm very interested in seeing how Pleasant uh, develops over. Uh, and what about? I'm sorry. What about Mark Brunel? Could you guys see him eventually becoming an offensive coordinator if Anthony Lynn moves on? Maybe. I mean, that's that's a tough one to answer, right? Because he doesn't have uh, an NFL coaching profile yet, right? He's he's only yeah. working kind of at the high school level before uh, this year. But you know, he's a he's a, a Pro Bowl NFL quarterback, and and um, you know already pretty highly regarded and, and I, I would say he's one of the guys that kind of made an impression on me during minicamp with how you know energetic he was out there on the field so you know I, I certainly think it's possible and I have to imagine that's something maybe he's circling as, as something he'd like to happen but um, yeah I, t- tough one to call this early <laughs> I can tell you that Antoine Randall L has aspirations of being a coordinator and eventually a head coach in the NFL. Yeah. Like, so I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be there or he's going to be ready in the next couple of years, but he has aspirations for that as well. Like, that's part of his character. That's something that there's, that's one of the reasons he came back to the NFL to coach was he wanted to coach. I could see that. Well, thanks. Thanks for your time, guys. No problem, Sean. Ryan, you want to get in there real quick as well? Yeah. I, well, first of all, I want to say that Sean, I, I love that we're on the same wavelength with our with our uh, our love for Aaron Glenn and just our our understanding that he's going to be uber successful in the NFL. Um, beyond that, I think obviously never say never with a lot of these things, but. I mean, I wonder if you see maybe some lateral, uh, I I guess it would be perceived as maybe lateral moves, but what if, you know, after a season, you know, Anthony Lynn maybe gets another head coaching opportunity um, before like somebody like Deuce Staley and maybe, you know, um, you know, maybe Dan Campbell can talk to Staley into thinking like, Hey, you know, like this would help build your resume. If you, if you're the offensive coordinator for a year or, um, you know, if, if Aaron Glenn, and I just love that we're talking about the coordinators who haven't coached a game yet uh you know um moving on to bigger bigger and better things but you know it, what an awesome problem to have for a guy like dan campbell who i think has an incredible pipeline to tap into like that's what mm-hmm. that's what leads me to not be so concerned about it because that parcells 
pipeline that he so clearly tapped into with guys like Anthony Lynn and guys like Aaron Glenn, you know, coming from, you know, the Sean Payton coaching tree. Like, I, I don't have any concerns about whether or not Dan Campbell can put together a coaching staff because I, I don't think it's just like a once in a lifetime thing that he was able to put together you know, a, uh, a band of coaches that he, that he got in his first year. So I think that's something to be optimistic. About. 2024, 2024 will be in the Super Bowl. And, and one <laughs> final thing, I have a question. Is, are you, are you considered a trader if you grew up in the Motor City, live on the West Coast, and now drive a Tesla? <laughs> I, I don't know if that makes you a Cali boy or not, Sean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Appreciate the question. Um, all right. Let's move on to our, our, our final uh, caller here. We've got Vince. Hey, guys. Vince, can you hear me? There? Yep. Loud and clear, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I appreciate the uh, uh, you guys doing this in the podcast. The podcast this past year with uh, the pandemic has been great. Thanks, um, Vince. Yeah, no problem. I just actually want to play a little bit of revisionist history, so I apologize if this question was asked a little more around uh, draft time. But the Panthers' offer for Stafford actually was really appealing to me from the standpoint that it was a top ten pick and it was immediate, uh, and you know we we knew at least at that. Spot, we get a pretty elite talent. So, just curious, if you if they would have taken that offer, who would you have selected at eight after? Presumably, still sticking, you know, with Sewell at seven. Um, or do you think, or do you think maybe they would have tried to package seven and eight to get up to, to three and maybe take Trey Lance? I do think they would have had a lot of really uh, appealing options with that offer instead of maybe uh, was you know instead of kicking the can down the line, which is what they did and. Instead, maybe getting picks in the low twenties. Ryan, you, you seem intrigued by this question. I'll let you have first crack. At I it. mean, how could you not be perked up by <laughs> a question like that? I mean, I guess we we didn't really think. I, I don't think we really gave too many thoughts on this, just because it was something that didn't, you know, come to fruition. But I, I like playing this game because it's the off season, and and why the hell not? But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you bring up a really interesting scenario, Vince. Like, you know, if the Lions are sitting there at seven and eight, you know, they have an awful lot of you know power to move up, um, which is something that uh, you know Brad Holmes himself was much to the chagrin of of Jeremy was uh, <laughs> you know trying to uh, you know keep himself from moving up to take the guys that he wanted, but. You, you think about all the possibilities with that in and of itself. Like, you know, maybe you get Sewell and then you have the opportunity to take, you know, uh, you know, maybe one of those cornerbacks who came off the board and you get a, you get another top guy like that, or, or maybe you can even move back. Right. Like, I mean, even right. you could, you can move back and uh, accumulate more draft picks and you, you could go that route too. But I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting scenario. Maybe maybe the most because Teddy Bridgewater, but um, we, we won't get into that. <laughs> is, is that why? Is that why you haven't talked about yeah. the quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Sorry. <laughs> For me, I think the answer is pretty clear. Uh, I think they would have acquired Teddy Bridgewater in the trade, and then they would have immediately wanted to upgrade, and they would have drafted drafted Justin Fields at eight. Uh, yeah. Like I, you know what I mean. 
what I mean? Like you would have had Eric. that. That would have been your. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what would have happened. <laughs> I know, but it, that's so perfect. I, I kind of wish. Well, I kind of wish that would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's very clear to me. I they they if if you if they would have landed Bridgewater Sewell. And then fields. That would have been a very quick turn. Uh, hey, a bird in the hand, and I would know, is worth two in the bush. <laughs> well, uh, does does the Sewell does the Sewell pick change at all? No, no, no. They wanted him. Absolutely yeah. wanted him. I think yeah. you're right. All right. I think I, you know. I should I should have just let Ryan go off on his on his bird hand thing. <laughs> I should I should have had that been the sign off. But Vince, I appreciate the question. Yeah, yeah. I think know. I would have stuck there and taken Devonte Smith and maybe punted the quarterback decision to next year. Oh yeah. But uh, just my two cents. Thanks. Yeah, no problem, Vince, and and thank you to everybody else that that joined us on today's lo- uh, dang it Spotify Green Room uh, <laughs> app. Uh, like I said, we're going to be doing these uh, all throughout. I think this month, at least, maybe even beyond that. Um, so download the Spotify Green Room app. Join us Saturday mornings. But until next time, for Ryan, for Eric, I'm Jeremy. It's chaos. Be kind. A bird in the Green Room app is worth two in the locker room. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs>